There is something in this house. Darkness, seeking to take the soul of another. Dark magic that lingers, looking for an opportunity. But will it have the chance? And you'll not look at your shadow the same way. But of course, you're not afraid of your shadow, are you? Welcome, listeners, to two fresh tales. Demon's Den and Afraid of Your Own Shadow. Ready for your lovely ears. I'm feeling a lot better. Thank you so much, listeners, for your support in getting me mentally fighting fit. The emails were lovely. And today's episode is to ease me back into sharing these tales. The entire week I've been essentially sleeping and recovering, so it's great to be back. Now, let's launch today's episode with my white tea warlords, the ghast Matthew J. Bauer, the spirit Maya, and the demon divided by zero. You lot keep this show busting at the seams. I'm currently working on a surprise for you guys and gal. So stay tuned, you awesome Patreon supporters. I never forget what you do in supporting this show. Never, ever. Thank you so much. My lovely Ilgrain forces, Chad Warren, Joss Heather, Lee Bauer, Lorraine Crisanto, Mace Joe, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffaelli, and Michelangelo Yacone. You keep the show's blood pumping. Thank you for your support. Now turn off the lights, turn up the sound, and bring your trinkets and your charms. Be sure to never let them out of your sight. Enjoy. This is not a work of fiction. This really happened to me. I am writing this so no one else makes the same mistake that I did. I moved to London from India immediately after my wedding with Karan. My husband was living in London for six years, and his then accommodation was his shady studio apartment, which to me was simply uninhabitable. After a lot of coaxing, he finally agreed to look for a new place. I had just started looking for a receptionist job, so we planned to look for a humble one-bedroom apartment. Along with applying for jobs and preparing for interviews, house hunting became my day job. Two weeks into the search, I realized that for the price we were willing to pay, the only place we could afford was a shady studio apartment. I finally gave up this pursuit and instead decided to focus more towards finding a job. Good things come to you when you stop looking. This is what I believe to be true when, while going through job openings, I got a pop-up for a just-posted house rental advertisement. I wish I knew then that this was far from good, that it was going to be the biggest mistake of my life. I am lucky to be alive to tell the tale. We went to view the house the same day I saw the advertisement. Because I didn't want to lose the house to another early bird, one look at the house and I was mesmerized. For a person coming from the second most populated country in the world, living in a beautiful and spacious three-bedroom Victorian house overlooking a garden away from the hubbub of the city was a dream come true. Karan's office, too, was only an hour's commute from there. The rent on this place was almost the same as we were paying for the studio apartment, so Karan didn't mind, though he was a bit skeptic about such low rent. So we checked the house out thoroughly before signing the contract. The owner was British Indian, so he agreed to further reduce the rent for his fellow countrymen. We handed over our one month's notice letter 
to end our tenancy to our landlord. And within that month, I got a decent paying receptionist job in a multinational company in central London. Just married, new country, new job, and a beautiful house. It felt so surreal. But this joy was to be short-lived. We moved into the house on a weekend since I was on probation and couldn't take leave. We just had a few possessions to move. But it wasn't a problem since the house was fully furnished and the previous tenant had left all their kitchenware and a couple of other stuff. This surprised me as the crockery looked quite expensive. When I asked Bidge, our landlord, about this, he said that the previous occupant had to move to Scotland in a hurry, and thus didn't bother to carry fragile stuff with them. I was so naive to have believed him. If only I had tried to dig further, or reach out to the previous tenants. The first week in the house was quite uneventful. It was spent arranging stuff and buying some supplies. Everything in the house worked as expected. Washing machine, refrigerator, showers, and faucets. No signs of any leakage or creaking floorboards. Karan's suspicions about the house was finally put to rest, and he was convinced that there was no foul play. I wish it had stayed that way, but things took an ugly turn the next week. Karan used to play badminton early in the morning on weekends with his pals, while I preferred sleeping till late. I woke up while Karan was about to leave for his game. He gave me a quick peck on my cheeks and left around 6am. It was still dark outside. I got back to sleep, but soon I awoke with a jerk from a nightmare where an ugly old woman was strangling me. I was covered in sweat and short of breath. It felt like the atmosphere had changed. The silence felt unusual, and it was obvious that something was off. I couldn't describe it, really. It was just this feeling that something unnatural was happening, and just then, I heard someone crying. Initially, I thought I was still dreaming, and it was part of the same nightmare, but it really was happening. I tried to calm myself and look for the source of the sound by concentrating hard. It sounded like a cat crying. In India, a cat crying is considered a bad omen. It usually means death of a loved one. First the nightmare, and now this? I was very scared. I headed towards the source of this cacophony, which had increased in volume and now sounded more like wailing. I got more concerned than scared now. What if the cat is really hurt and needs help? The sound originated from the garden. The garden's entrance was through a door in the kitchen. I mustered up some courage and turned the doorknob. Sitting on the fence opposite me was the most grotesque cat I had ever seen. It was an old, wrinkled and skinny black cat with bright red eyes. As soon as it laid eyes on me, it stopped crying and started hissing. I could see pure hatred in its eyes. It looked at me with murderous rage. I simply stood there, staring at this devilish feline. I was still clutching the doorknob, when without any warning, the grotesque being pounced at me from its sitting position with godlike speed. This broke my spell, and I quickly pushed the door shut in time. <sighs> I expected to hear a thud from when the cat must have hit against the door, but I didn't, and neither did I hear it crying anymore. Everything had gotten eerily quiet, except for my heart, which was beating so fast 
that I thought it would come out of my chest. Karan came home to find me passed out on the kitchen floor. He splashed some water on my face and I struggled to open my eyes. I felt very weak, and standing up on my own took a lot of effort. I told Karan everything that had happened, but I could see it was hard for him to believe that a cat was planning to murder me. I couldn't blame him for that. Karan helped me calm down by suggesting we call animal control, and they will take care of this stray cat. I assumed it was a stray as it was so skinny and dirty. After talking to animal control, Karan took me to the movies, followed by a lavish dinner to take my mind off the nasty episode. And it worked. I felt much better. We came back late in the evening and directly went to bed. Sleep came almost instantly, as I was very exhausted. Around 3 in the morning, I was woken up by whispering noises. At first, I thought it may have been that Karan couldn't sleep and was watching TV. But then I turned and saw he was out cold. I sat still on my bed and tried to figure out what I was hearing. It sounded like a woman chanting something in Sanskrit. I had never studied Sanskrit, but I could still make out some of the words. Amura, which means devil, and Amritata, which means immortality. This really scared me. Considering all that was happening, I could only think of one thing. The house was haunted. The chanting grew louder now. I wasn't feeling brave enough this time to get up and investigate. It took me a good five minutes to wake Karan up from his deep slumber, and another five minutes to explain to him about the chanting sound. But the chanting had ceased by then, and he looked at me with some concern. I immediately regretted waking him up. We were just married, and I didn't want him thinking his wife was a nut job. Before he had a chance to comment, I lied, saying that perhaps the move and adjusting to my new job had taken a toll on me, and that I just needed a little rest. He looked convinced and sympathetic, but I was quite sure that I had not imagined any of this. The next three days passed without any incident, and I didn't see the cat again. I felt foolish for thinking the house was haunted. Karan was a network security architect, and was working on a critical project, and to meet the deadline, he was asked to work extra hours. I wasn't too happy about it. Even though nothing odd had happened lately, I was still pretty shaken up from the previous week. I came home from work and fixed myself a quick supper. Karan was going to have dinner at his office. With nothing else to do after dinner, I planned to watch a movie. But my laptop wasn't connecting to their Wi-Fi network. I'm quite bad with computers, so I didn't try much, and instead decided to connect to LAN, but couldn't find a LAN cable. Just when I was going to give up on my search, I thought of the basement. Maybe there were a few spare cables lying out there? This was the first time I was going to see the basement. Karan and I never bothered to check it as we didn't really have anything to be kept in it yet. I opened the basement door and it creaked. It was pitch black in there. I tried to feel the light switch with my hand and finally found it. The light was very dim, but enough to see everything. There were 15 or so steps to the basement. The wooden steps creaked under my weight. The basement was pretty big, and all the stuff was covered in white sheets, which were more brown than white completely covered in dust 
I lifted one of the covers and what I saw filled me with dread. Lying on a big wooden table were many locks of hair, tied together by a red thread, nails, human bones, pin-stuffed dolls, and a skull. There were cardboards with ancient symbols and a terrifying picture of a devilish creature sketched onto them in what seemed like blood. I felt like I was going to throw up. The most upsetting part was that the blood seemed fresh. I had to get out of there. Suddenly, the room felt very cold. The hair at the back of my neck stood up and I froze. I knew then that someone was watching me. I could smell rot, and the air had turned putrid. I saw some movement from the corner of my eye. I started shivering and tears started rolling down my face. I felt so helpless then, but I wasn't going to give up. I gathered all the courage I could muster and turned around to run upstairs. That's when I saw the horrible face that I can never forget in this life. I still have nightmares about her. Standing near the foot of the stairs was a woman. Or rather, she was a woman once. Now, she was a hideous being with long, grey and dirty hair spread across her wrinkled face, red eyes glaring at me with hate, claws for feet, and gnarled, shadowy hand with long and uneven fingernails. She was smiling at me, showing her few rotten teeth. This made her look even more hideous. She was wearing a dirty and tattered black sari. I knew then that she was the cat who tried to murder me. She hissed at me and called out my name. Mia! It came out as a shriek, and my blood ran cold. I knew then that I couldn't get out of there alive. There was no point in struggling. It's strange how during the last moments, your whole life flashes in front of you. How I wished I could tell Karan and my family one last time that I loved them. The hideous thing once again pounced at me, and this time, there was no door to shut. I fell to the floor, and she started strangling me while chanting some mantras. I come from a very religious family, and since I was a kid, I wore an amulet around my neck that wards off evil spirits. I never thought much of it and always kept it tucked under my blouse. During the struggle, the amulet came off and the devil woman accidentally touched it and her hand started burning. She shrieked and hissed for a while, and I could see fear in her eyes. She ran into the wall opposite me and vanished. It took a good ten seconds, though it felt like an eternity, to register what just happened. But I had to get out of there quick, fearing she might come back. I held the amulet in one hand and started crawling. I don't remember much of how I escaped from the house. Karan told me later that he found me lying outside the house in the freezing cold. I was taken to the hospital, and it took me two days to recover physically, though mentally, I was scarred for life. Karan was in the hospital with me the whole time, as I wouldn't let him go to the house alone. This time Karan believed my story, as you could see faint red marks on my neck. I couldn't live in that house anymore. We went back only once to get all of our stuff and Karan told me later that he saw a skinny black cat in the garden while leaving. Our lives went back to normal, but I was not going to rest until I knew what was wrong with that house. I never went back to the house to investigate, 
but I spoke with a couple of previous tenants and found some old newspaper articles that gave me the story I was looking for. The ghost haunting the house was Maya. She was Bidge's great-grandmother and a tantric. She used to practice witchcraft in the basement and sacrifice small animals to please Amura, who in turn would have offered her immortality. But by sacrificing just animals, she would have returned as an animal, not human. To come back as a human, she had to make human sacrifices. With an obsession to return as a human after death, she chose to sacrifice her own son. But her husband came home just in time to save him. He knew his wife was a tantric, but he didn't have much of a problem with her sacrificing animals. But not his son. That was too much. He took his son with him and left her alone in the house. She died an old and spiteful woman. And my guess is, she came back as a cat after her death. She is still out there, looking for her next victim to please Amura. My request to anyone reading this is to never rent or buy a house if the deal is too good to be true. Written by Monica Mishra, 0607. And what a fantastic story. When we are young, we're all afraid of the dark. We can't see what is there. So there could be all kinds of terrible things that could be lurking in the abyssal blackness that we can't identify. We would cower and tremble under our blankets in fear of whatever could have been watching us. Its stomach growling. Its gaping maw hanging open. Its tongue dripping with saliva. Simply waiting to eat us. Maybe we weren't wrong at all, but maybe what we fear is always with us. Maybe when someone mentions being afraid of one's own shadow, we truly do have something to fear. Shadows are with us from birth. In fact, everyone is born with a shadow. Did you ever think that objects only have shadows because the darkness that follows us everywhere resides beside such things? We've accepted shadows as a normal part of life. Light falls upon something and casts a shadow, correct? At least that's what we believe. What if when we are born, we are all followed by an infinite darkness? Consider that in different light, the shadow shrinks or grows. What if this darkness we carry with us is the cause of the shadows cast by these objects? Sometimes you'll notice something about a shadow that seems just a little off. What if this shadow is a demon? What if all shadows are demons that we are born to carry? Maybe we don't age so much as when in the darkness that draws us into our restful sleep, the shadow consumes our room and envelops us and takes a little sip of our life's essence night by night. Until soon, nothing is left. We don't age. The demon we are born with consumes our life and leaves us as a dry and empty husk. So tell me now, do you sleep with the lights on? Are you afraid 
of your own shadow. This short tale is written by Shinigami.eyes. Mates, I hope you enjoyed both these creepy tales. Demonic possession, well, almost. Demons, rituals, and second-guessing your own shadow. Now, if you want to show me some love, swing on by my Patreon page at www.patreon.com and you can see what I have on offer for you lovelies. Right now, I'm blessed with 11 Patreons, mates. Let's make it 12. I'll catch you Monday. And as always, till next, we meet.